0: Hello there. Welcome to the Little White Cabin and our listening series, A New York Yankee in the Heart of Dixie, episode number three. I'm your host, Oscar Bronx. We got a message in the inbox that says, Dear Oscar, in your podcast, you talked about a guy who was a big influence on your life named Manny Conrad, and you said he told the best sea stories. The way you talked about him reminds me of my granddad, who was also a merchant seaman who told great stories. Some of my best memories from childhood were listening to him tell those stories, especially the ones Grandma didn't want him to tell. What was Manny's best sea story, and can you tell it on a future podcast? And it's signed, Mick from Mobile. Well, Mick, thanks for your prompt. I would love to tell you one of Manny's stories. The one I'm about to tell you has stayed with me in vivid detail for well over 35 years. Now before I get started, I have to tell you that a lot of Manny's stories had to do with this friend of his, a guy he called Wiper John. I never heard Manny say his last name. It was always just Wiper John, and he and Manny were real tight. As you might know, a wiper is low man on the totem pole in the Black Gang, that is, the engine department on a ship, and apparently Wiper John sailed wiper his whole career. Funny thing though, most guys who do that Really, don't have the smarts or drive to advance themselves, so they're content with pushing brooms and rags and paintbrushes but wiper John, he was a guy with a lot of ability and drive; he could work as hard and smart as anybody he could dance, he could fight, he was the kind of guy you wanted by your side if you got into a scrap in some dark alley, and he was just a guy who loved life and he knew how to live it, and he lived large. He just chose to, you know, make his way through life among the people who lived and worked in the bilges, you might say. Anyway, Manny and Wiper John were on a ship together. I think this was in the mid-60s, and it was a cargo ship on a government contract delivering foreign aid wheat to Tanzania, which is on the east side of Africa. So they had unloaded the cargo in Dar es Salaam and were leaving port. Manny was sailing oiler, and he was standing watch with his third assistant engineer who had this little ritual he went through every watch as soon as he came down to relieve the previous watch he'd take off his wedding ring and put it in his pocket and then 4 hours later when the next watch came down to relieve him he took it out of his pocket and put it back on his finger reason was he one time smashed his hand while he was working on something and almost had to have his finger or hand amputated because it swelled around the ring Lucky for him, they were able to cut it off. After that, he always did this ritual down in the engine room. So Manny and the third were down there at the control panel, and as soon as they see the next watch heading down to relieve him, the third does his ring thing. But this time, he drops the ring before he can get it on his finger, and ping, 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 down it goes through an opening in the deck plates to the bottom deck and down into the bilge's. Now, this third was old and out of shape, and he didn't want to go down into the bilges, and he looks at Manny, and Manny's a union guy. He's not about to be some engineer's personal servant, no way, but Wiper John's there, and Wiper John's like a wild animal in the engine room. He'll climb like a monkey or slither through bilge water like an eel, so he says, I'll get it and down he goes. Now, if you've never been down in the bilges of some old rust bucket, let me tell you, it's no place to raise a child, if you know what I mean. It's like a dark swamp in the seventh level of hell, full of gunk and goo and slimy water, and a billion pipes going every which way to bang your head on. It's just one of the reasons I always prefer to sail in the steward department rather than in the black gang. But Wiper John it's like a playground to him. Now, they had pumped bilges at the end of the watch, and it doesn't take him long before he finds the ring. And he picks it up out of the rust and grime, and he holds it up and looks at it. And what does he see? A face looking right back at him. And it's a black man's face. And he's got this terrified look like he's been caught. And wipe john knows right off the bat it's a stowaway because he knows everybody on the ship by sight. But Wipe-A-John, you know, he's not the kind of guy who always follows the rules. He's always up for some kind of adventure, and he says to the guy, Don't worry, pal. Your secret's good with me. You want some food? Now, I don't know if John expected the guy to speak English. You know, English is one of the major languages in Tanzania, that in Swahili. And the guy says, Yes, thank you. Thank you, sir. But then the guy turns around and says something in Swahili, and John realizes there's somebody with the guy hiding behind him. And John looks, but it's not another guy. It's a young woman and pregnant. And Wiper John can tell she's really far along, like she's going to drop the cap at any day now. And so Wiper John says, Yeah, this isn't going to work. Sorry, friend, but ain't no child going to be born in the bilges on my watch. Come on. And so Wiper John leads the guy and his wife up out of the bilges to the control panel. He hands the ring to the third and says, Call the bridge. We got stowaways. So the third calls the bridge, and the captain says, bring him up to the deck on the port side, I'll be down. So Wiper John and Manny lead him up out of the engine room, and Wiper John's already calling him Joseph and Mary, you know, like in the Bible. And they lead Joseph and Mary over to where the gangway is. You know, they figure the old man's going to turn around and call for a launch to come and get him. I mean, they're not far out, you can still see land. But when the old man comes down, he looks pissed. Now, you gotta know something about this captain. First of all, he was huge. I mean, a physically imposing guy. Not only was he tall and big, he was a muscle man. I mean, he was like a serious weightlifter back before that was a thing for working guys, especially officers, to be. Also, this captain had the reputation for being a real hard-ass when it came to rules and doing things the right way in terms of seamanship and all that. And mostly, the guys didn't mind it because the fact was... He had a great safety record, and he was an equal opportunity hard-ass. He just didn't brook any slackers or drunks or screw-ups, not at all. And so the old man just marches up and says, there will be no stowaways on my ship. And he grabs Joseph, who's kind of a scrawny guy, and in one motion lifts him up and throws him over the side into the water. Everybody's stunned, but Wiper John's the first one to act. He shouts out, man overboard. And he leaps over the railing into the sea, apparently to help Joseph in case the guy can't swim. And the old man is just a tornado of rage, yelling out, No! Belay that! No man overboard! Steady as she goes! Full ahead! And he turns and reaches for Mary, the pregnant woman. And Mary, she turns away and kneels down to get away from him. And Manny just reacts he throws his body over the top of her and wraps one arm and one leg around the railing to hold her in place while the captain is hitting and kicking him, trying to dislodge him so he can throw Mary over the side too. And the other guys on deck run up and try to intervene. But like I said, the captain was this giant of a man and strong as a bull, and now he's crazy as a bat too, and he's swatting him off like flies. Now normally, in a man overboard situation, the mate on the bridge goes through this maneuver. I think it's called a Williamson Turn or something. So they can set the ship on the right course to turn around and find the guy. Because, you know, ships are huge. You can't stop a turn on a dime, even if you put the engine to full astern. It takes a good while to stop. But that day, the boatswain and an ordinary are on the fantail, doing something with the mooring lines. And just by luck, they're looking over the port side, and they see Joseph and Wiper John go to drink. And this bosun, he was a quick thinker, and he and the ordinary heave the mooring line over the side just in time for Wiper John to grab a hold of it. And they wrap the line around the winch and start to haul him up. And Wiper John's holding on to Joseph. Meanwhile, the chief engineer and the chief mate both come running out to try to get the old man under control, but they weren't having any more luck than anybody else. And the old man is just punching and kicking poor Manny like he's trying to kill a dog. And then, Wiper John comes running up from the stern and lays into the old man like a buzzsaw. He kicks him in the back of the knee, and when the old man drops down and spins around, Wiper John gives him a swift knee to the temple, which stuns him. And the other guys hustle Mary and Joseph off to the cruise quarters, and Wiper John and the old man go at it like a bear in a pit bull, and it only ends when Wiper John gets him from the back and chokes him till he passes out. So the chief mate puts the old man in handcuffs and everybody kind of looks at each other and like, holy smokes, what the hell just happened? Manny had gotten it real bad. He could hardly breathe. He had broken ribs, his eye was swelling shut and he had to spit out a tooth. Blood was dripping from his mouth and Wiper John kneels by him and says, Manny, let's get you to your bunk. We'll turn around and get you to a doctor. But Manny didn't want to go to a doc in Dar es Salaam and he said, no, Cape Town. See, the ship's next scheduled stop on the way back to the States was in South Africa. And so, Wiper John looked at the chief mate and said, Steady as she goes, Mr. Mate. And the chief nodded, and he and the chief engineer led the old man back up to his office, so they head for Cape Town. And wouldn't you know it, but that very night, Mary goes into labor. Now, normally, the chief mate is the guy who doctors people up on the ship till they get to port, but he knows squat about delivering babies. But Wiper John did. Apparently his mother had been a midwife back in the day, and he learned a lot from her. And so Wiper John was ordering everybody about, even the officers were doing what he told them to do, because everybody was nervous and excited about this baby being born on their ship. But Joseph, the husband, he was definitely not happy. I mean, in his culture, delivering babies was a woman thing. You know, men weren't supposed to even see a woman in that condition. And he was getting all anxious and angry, trying to shoo the men out of the room to make his wife have the baby on her own because there were no other women on the ship. And he was becoming a real annoyance to Wiper John who was trying to tend to marry. But there was this ordinary seaman, the one who helped the boatswain use the mooring lines to haul up Wiper John and Joseph from the sea. He was a tall black guy named Nate, Now, Nate was originally from Tanzania, too, and he came to the States and became a citizen and worked on ships, and his dream was to work his way up to captain. Real hard-working, ambitious guy. Actually changed his name from whatever it was in Tanzania to Nathaniel Bowditch, after the famous maritime author, when he became an American. Well, Nate came in and kind of took control of the situation with Joseph. He could speak both English and Swahili fluently. Plus, Turns out he actually knew Joseph and Mary. They were from his same tribe or clan or whatever, same village. And Nate says, Wiper John, I'm sorry, it's my fault. And Wiper John says, what are you talking about, Nate? You saved our lives. And Nate says, no, I mean, I brought them aboard as stowaways. I hid them in the engine room. It's my fault. I'm sorry. Do you think they'll... And Wiper John says, they won't revoke your citizenship if that's what you're worried about that's a done deal. As for your job, I don't know, Nate. You could be in for some trouble if people find out. You and the old man both. Just then, wouldn't you know it, but the old man shows up. No handcuffs, just a black eye where Wiper John had socked him. And everybody suddenly takes a step back and gets real tense. But the old man just says, at ease, men. And he looks at Wiper John and says, you sure she can make it to Cape Town? And Wiper John just says, Mary's strong. Feels like the baby's in the right position. It ain't breach. I'll take care of them. You just make sure Manny gets whatever he needs. Stand a watch on him. Anything happens to Manny, there'll be hell to pay. And so the old man went off to talk to his chiefs, the chief steward, the chief mate, and the chief engineer, to make sure they appointed guys to turn two on the Manny watch. And all Manny wanted was somebody to set him up with a cot up on the stack deck so he could sleep outside where the air was fresh and cool, and he wanted some liquor to help with the pain, and after that, he wanted just to be left alone. But, only after the baby was born. Until then, Manny was determined to stay right there in the room with Wiper John and Mary. He felt responsible for her, and she wanted him there too, I guess because of how he sacrificed himself to protect her from the old man. She wanted him to sit right next to the bunk and hold her hand, and he did, even though his broken ribs made it hard for him to breathe. But Joseph was sulking and angry that Wiper John and Manny and these men were tending to his wife. In his culture, it was like totally immoral and wrong. And Nate was having to lay down the law to him not to interfere. And he kept telling him, Look, you wanted to come to America. You got to do things the new way, not the old way. And he kept telling him again and again, Stop being superstitious. But Joseph was just fuming. And then the captain came back, and of course Joseph would back off and try to hide from this giant of a man who had thrown his skinny butt overboard, but the old man didn't pay any attention to him. It was like he was mesmerized or something by this birth that was about to happen, and whatever White Bajon told him to do, he'd do, lickety-split. And then the baby was born. White Bajon kind of laughed and said, it's a healthy baby girl, And everybody was so shocked at what they saw, nobody could even speak. Until the captain said out loud, She's white. And White John said, She's albino. And he laid her at her mother's breast. And Mary, she had tears running down her face, and she was laughing and crying at the same time. And she was saying thank you, thank you, thank you, like it was the only English words she knew how to say. Then Joseph and Nate came in. And Joseph's eyes went wide as cue balls, and this horrified look came over his face, and he stepped toward the bunk, but Nate grabbed him by the collar and yanked him back. And Joseph was speaking Swahili, but anybody could tell he was just madder than a hornet for some reason, and Nate just gave him the back of his hand and shoved him out of the room and told him to go for a walk and cool off. And everybody's looking at Nate for an explanation. And Nate tells him how there's a lot of superstitions about albinos in Tanzania, How they bring bad luck or have some kind of occult powers and all that stuff. And it's really not safe for albinos there. A lot of them get murdered and cut up for their organs that are supposed to have, you know, magic powers and whatnot. He said, when I came to America, I wanted to leave all that behind me. I hated it. I wanted to live by reason and logic, by science, not superstition. And I told Joseph I would bring him and Mary only if they did the same. And he promised, he promised. But the old ways, they are hard for some people to give up. He should not be allowed in here. And then he and Mary talked back and forth in Swahili, like they were arguing about something. And the captain asks, what's she saying? And Nate says, she wants to give him a chance. But it is not wise, Captain. It is not wise. And wipe john looks at the old man and he says... This ship's a little piece of America. So does a fella deserve a second chance here, Cap? And the captain, he looked at Wiper John for a second. Then he looks at Nate, and he says, Let Joseph, or whatever his name is, cool off out on deck for a while. Then have him come in here, sit with his wife. We'll have somebody stand watch at the door, just to be sure he doesn't do anything stupid. I gotta go back to the bridge. And as the old man turned to leave, Wiper John says, Hey, Cap, we need to talk, and he nodded toward Nate. Him, too. The captain said, All right, give me about an hour, and then come up to my office. After a while, Mary fell asleep with the child. Somebody helped Manny up to his cot on the stack deck under the stars, and Wiper John and Nate went up to the captain's office to talk with the old man, you know, to try to come to some agreement about the stowaways and Nate's part and bringing them aboard and the old man's violent behavior and how to keep whatever secrets ought to be kept. When they finished their meeting, Wiper John said he was going to check on Mary and asked Nate to go check on Manny. But Mary wasn't in the room, and neither was the baby. Just then the guy who was supposed to be standing watch over them came walking down the passageway and Wiper John laid into him, asking him where they went, and the guy didn't know. He said he had eaten some bad food in Dar es Salaam and got the runs real bad and had to go to the head for a good long while. So Wiper John shoved them aside and went running through the passageways looking for her, and he finally found her. She was crying and calling out for a baby and knocking on doors looking for the child. And so Wiper John runs through the house, searching, and then runs out on deck halfway around the ship until he finds Nate standing at the side of the ship, hanging onto the railing beside himself with grief. Wiper John asked him, What's going on? And Nate looks at him, and he says, She's gone. Joseph threw her over the side. And Wiper John says, Where's Joseph? And Nate's face hardens, and he says, I cast him out like the demon he was. And Wiper John turns to start to yell to the bridge, but Nate grabs his shirt and says, no, no man overboard, no man overboard, steady as she goes. And then he says, go to Manny, he needs you. So Wiper John runs up to the stack deck, but at the bottom of the ladder he finds Manny lying there, his foot caught in one of the steps, his leg broken and the bone sticking out of his skin. And Manny's wheezing and crying, and he grabs Wiper john by the shirt, and he says, I heard the baby crying. I heard her crying, and I looked, and I saw, I saw, I saw him take the baby, and I tried to stop him, but I couldn't get there in time. I fell. I was drinking, and I fell. I shouldn't have been drinking. Why do I have to be a drunk? Why can't I just die? Just let me die, Wiper john Just let me die. And so wipe john takes him down to his room and he and the chief mate set his broken bone as best they could, and Mary consoled herself by sitting with Manny and nursing him through the night. The next day, the old man called for a meeting in his office, but Wiper John said, to hell with that, we'll meet in Manny's room. And so they all gathered there, and without taking her eyes off Manny, Mary started to talk softly. Everybody listened, though only Nate understood her. When she was finished, Nate translated. She had said, I had a dream that my baby would be albino. She was a light glowing inside me, and I was afraid for the baby if we stayed in the village. So I told my husband that our baby would be born a boy who would become a great man, but only if we would take him to America. I played on his pride, but it was not to be. I have nothing. When you let me off in Cape Town, I will find my way back home, and she said to Manny, I'm sorry I caused you such pain, Nate said, she will not be safe back in the village, she left with husband and with child inside her, she returns with neither, there will be gossip, rumors, she will be persecuted, and Manny looks at the captain and says, come on cap, isn't there anything you could do, and the old man says, does she have any kinfolk in America, and Nate says, no family. I am from her village, but we are not family. And the old man looked at Mary for a long time, thinking. Then he looked at Nate. Stand up straight, he said. Nate looked surprised and stiffened. He got ready for the captain to chew him out for bringing on stowaways and to can him and put him off the ship with Mary. Nathaniel Bowditch, the captain said formally, do you take this woman, Mary, or whatever her name is? to be your lawfully wedded wife. Nate had this look of shock on his face, but it faded as he slowly began to understand what the captain was up to. Finally, he said, I do. The captain went on. And do you, Mary, or whatever your real name is, take Nate to be your lawfully wedded husband? Nate translated for her, but she never took her eyes off Manny. She gave him a look as if asking his permission. He smiled and nodded. Then Mary said something in Swahili, and Nate translated. I do. Uh, She does. And the old man said, Then by the power invested in me, as master of this vessel, I pronounce you husband and wife. Now don't get your hopes up too high. I have no idea how much it'll help with regards to immigration status, if at all. But it can't hurt. So when they got to Cape Town, Manny got off and got doctored up before flying home. And somehow they arranged for a passport and visa for Mary. And when they got back to the States, she was allowed in. And she eventually became a citizen. According to Manny, she and Nate made a real good go of it, had a bunch of kids and everything. When Manny told me this story, I asked him about the captain because it didn't seem to make sense how he was so violent toward Joseph and Mary at the beginning and then just seemed to turn back into his old self again. And plus how he allowed a mere wiper to beat him up and virtually take over command, apparently with no repercussions. And so Manny told me about the captain. His name was Nick Spence. Apparently he grew up in North Carolina on a tobacco road, and his family was just like the one in that Erskine Caldwell novel. You know, dirt poor, undisciplined, ignorant, lazy, sort of stupidly superstitious, drunk on moonshine, always angling for a handout instead of a job. And Nick hated them. He hated that life. And when World War II came about, he left. He joined the Navy and served on landing ships in the Pacific, taking Marines to the beaches in Iwo Jima and Okinawa and all that. It was on one of those missions that he met Wiper John, who was in the Marines. You know, one of the guys storming the beach they got to be friends. Well, it was while he was in the Navy that Nick decided he'd make it a career. He loved ships and going to sea, and he'd look up at the officers on the bridge, and he was determined to work his way up there. So he set out to be the opposite of his family in every way. He made it his goal to be the most mentally and physically fit sailor on any ship he was on. Nobody studied harder than him, Nobody worked harder than him, nobody took the craft of seamanship more serious in him, and he hated slackers and drunkards and beggars and thieves without passion. And he made sure never to touch booze until this one time. A guy basically challenged him, said to be an officer, you have to prove you can hold your booze, that it was one of the tests they gave him, you know, to show you had the capacity to perform under any conditions. So he drank. Long story short, he got into a fight and beat the hell out of an officer. He spent time in the brig and was forced out of the Navy with a dishonorable discharge. It didn't matter. Up until then, he had a sterling reputation. It didn't matter that he had two medals for valor, one from Iwo and one from Okinawa. It didn't matter. Only thing that mattered was he beat the crap out of an admiral's son. Once he was out, he wanted to keep working with ships, so he tried to get into the Merchant Marine. But the guys in the unions were not about to take on somebody who had been dishonorably discharged from the Navy. His dreams were shattering. Then he met Wiper John again. Wiper John had joined the Merchant Marine, and he had pull in the union. And he remembered his old buddy and how brave and hard-working Nick had been. And when he heard Nick's story, he said, Every once in a while, you gotta sock an officer in the jaw. I know, I've been there. And he swung it so Nick got a job as an ordinary seaman on some old rust bucket that nobody else wanted. And that was the beginning of a long, successful career for Nick. Nobody worked or studied harder. Nobody was more disciplined. He crawled up the hawse pipe to become a deck officer and finally got his master's license. But on this ship, where all this stuff happened with Joseph and Mary, he was in a bad mood the whole voyage. He didn't believe in handouts. He thought they made people weak, like his own family back on Tobacco Road. And that's what he thought this foreign aid was. But what made it worse was the shipping company and the State Department made him participate in some photo op with some big shots in Dar es Salaam, you know, to celebrate this new foreign aid deal. And he hated all the fake smiles and handshakes with a bunch of corrupt grifters and bloodsuckers. But then you know what happened. The American ambassador and one of the Tanzanian bigwigs proposed a toast and they passed out these little glasses of some kind of local liquor and he wanted to beg off, but the ambassador made it clear to him that the locals would be insulted if he didn't join in and the shipping company would be very disappointed too, if you know what I mean. So he tipped it back and he downed it. He had not drunk a lick of alcohol since the Navy. And I don't know what exactly was in that drink, but it was potent. And it lit a fuse in him, and when he got back to the office, he drank the liquor he had confiscated from the crew. And when he got the call from the engine room about the storeways, he exploded like a stick of dynamite. It was like a roid rage times ten. So that's why he did it. And that's why wipe john could get away with laying into the captain the way he did beating him up and bossing him around even though he was just a wiper. The old man owed Wiper John his whole career. When the liquor wore off, the old man was back to normal and could hardly even remember what he had done. As for Manny, well, in the hospital in Cape Town, he swore up and down he'd never touch another drop of booze. But when he got back to the States, he started having these nightmares And even when he was awake, these flashbacks where he'd see Joseph throw that baby over the side and he just couldn't get to it in time. I suppose these days they call it PTSD, but back then they didn't even have a name for it. And the only solace he could find from those demons was in booze. So not only did he fail to kick the habit, it became his worst period as an alcoholic in his life. Someday I'll tell you the story about how Manny finally kicked a habit, but not now. That's for another day. Oh, and years later, Manny found out that Nate and Mary named their first child after him, Manny Conrad Bowditch. I wish you could have known that then. Maybe it would have helped. But by the time I met him, Manny found a great deal of joy in that fact. A great deal of joy. So, Mick from Mobile that's one of Manny's sea stories that really touched me. I tell you, it made me look at people different. I guess less judgmental, you know, because you just don't know what somebody's backstory is. Whether it's some drunk in an alley or a hard-ass boss or whatever, you just don't know. That's why I like to hear people tell the stories. And Mick, and all you other listeners out there, if you got a good story, Maybe it's one your old merchant seaman grandpap used to tell you when you were a kid. Drop me a line. Maybe we can share it on my podcast. Until then, I'm Oscar Bronx, host of a New York Yankee in the heart of Dixie. And don't be a stranger. Go to littlewhitecabin.com and check out all the stories, songs, and marvels we got for you. As Manny would say, see you in the funny papers. Peace.